Welcome to This Is ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Chris Johnson. This is a podcast about the experience of what it means to have ADHD. I chose the name This Is ADHD intentionally because my thoughts were every time I looked online, I couldn't see myself. And I, I'm sure that's the experience for many people out there. If you look and you see all these other people with ADHD and you go, well, I'm not like those other people. Do I really have ADHD? Is that me? And I wanted to open up a space to have conversations about people's reflections and lives with ADHD so that others could see that this is ADHD. And what you have is ADHD, probably if you're listening to this as well. In today's episode, I am talking with Nick Osler. Nick Osler is a wellness expert and health fitness and all those kind of wonderful things. Um, She's a personal friend of mine. and We are going to be talking about the challenges of being a neurodivergent parent, of being a parent of neurodivergence, and the journey that Nicola had going from I don't know what ADHD is through to here's my diagnosis and this is me. For this episode, Raising ADHD, I'm here with my friend, Nicola Osler. We've been friends since 2018, so five years. Uh, Nicola is a wellness expert. Um, she is a fitness coach. She's an educator. And we contacted and got back in touch after a while after we both realized that we'd been diagnosed with ADHD within a few months of each other. Um, welcome, Nicola. Hi, lovely to be here, Chris. Hello. How are you doing? Very good. I think when we first started talking about doing this podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, I just love to talk about it. I mean, it's hard to shut up. <laughs> when it's ADHD and getting a late diagnosis, it's, uh, yeah, it'd be hard to shut me up, I think. Right, right. I think I think there was another episode at some point of going like you get ADHD and then it becomes your personality. Yeah. I'm saying like you just want to tell everyone. Yeah, exactly. Now I've got an excuse for everything. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not me. It's the ADHD, it's which it is. Not you. But... It's not <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, um, like, how would you describe your ADHD? How does it turn up for you? So I would say um, the way I describe it when I'm talking to my kids about it or I'm struggling a situation, I'll say oh, my brain mm. managing this right now. So I refer to it as mm. my brain, I guess, behaving in a way. Mm. And by referring to it as that, I think it acknowledges that I know something's going on. Um, mm. and I need time out or just to explain why I'm behaving in the way I am or saying what I'm saying, I think. So I refer to it as my brain. Um, yeah. how, what is ADHD to me? I think I grew up feeling that I was just a bit too much. Yeah, mm. too much. It is very much that she's too emotional. She's too reactive. She's oversensitive, mm. um, gets too involved. Um, I think it's a lot of that. And even as a grown up, I see people, um, perhaps pull away because I am, too, I'm just too enthusiastic, too mm. argumentative. I love a bit of confrontation, mm. a discussion. Um, a lot of people don't, it turns out. Yeah. Right. So I think it's right. over the top. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny when you flip it on the other way around as saying, like, like, we're too much for people, we're oversensitive, we're too enthusiastic. It's like, why are these negative things? And I don't understand it. Like, in that wider context of going like, how can you be too much for someone? Like, how can you be too excited about something you're excited about? Like, just calm down. Why is that a good thing? And like that oversensitive thing of why are you just being so mean to me? Like, there's kind of yeah. those little digs and things like that going like, it's a hard world. Why are we not nice? Yeah, and sometimes it's like, wow, you're you're too excited about this or whatever. Sometimes you just read it in people, and that is really hard. I think that's why 
with ADHD do naturally gravitate towards other people who are neurodivergent. I just think we kind of match energies. Um, it makes us feel safe and understood. Even before the diagnosis, I recognize and a lot of my friends and acquaintances and the people I've had the few times with and the most understanding and empathetic relationships with, uh, they probably have it too. Yeah, yeah. I, I literally turn around to people in the pub and go, I know we're having a lovely time. Have you considered an ADHD diagnosis? I'm not saying I've noticed anything, but all my friends have got this. <laughs> Enjoy hanging out with me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it is, um, yeah, being too much is mm. enjoying everything to the extreme, but also mm. you feel the negatives as well. So when we talk about being over empathetic. We feel people's pain, mm. we take on other people's problems. Mm. Um, that's why I could never be a nurse or a vet. I, you know, I love mm. animals and I love people and I want to help people, but I would just take on all of the angst and worry and pain and not be able to get rid of it. So, yeah, definite pros and cons to it. Um, I live very much in the moment, so it's hard to mm. plan things with me um, yeah. because too far away, I just can't, I can't contemplate what's happening to mm. the future. Um, and if it's too immediate, then I'm just like, oh, it's flat. So um, yeah. a very small window where we can do things. You very, very patient friends. Yeah, yeah. I this this one was quite nice because I, I gave you no notice whatsoever on this. Like, can we meet up in like two weeks? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, done. Five days. Five. <laughs> I can do two weeks. Way too long. Love it, love it. And like, what impact did it have on you, like before diagnosis? So when I look back, uh, I mean, it all just fit together. I was like, oh, so that's mm. why I underperformed in tests. My memory is poor. My focus in class wasn't great. It's why I was the naughty kid at home, not at school. At home, I always felt like I was naughty, and I was talking to my mother about this recently. Um, she's like, Did you feel like the naughty one? I was like, Well, compared to my sisters, I was loud and over the top. I wanted to ride the bikes, I wanted to learn to drive first. I wanted action, I wanted drama, I wanted arguments, I wanted um, responses to things, I wanted to be out with my friends all the time. Um, and I was very different to my two sisters. I think it made me feel like the odd one out. It was also Turns out I'm very like my mum. <laughs> so that's another topic. Like when you find mm. out about your ADHD, you're like, oh, so that person in my family has that. That person in my family maybe is on the autistic spectrum. Mm. It just takes you through a whole world of understanding, which is what I love about diagnosis. Yeah, I felt like I was talking to my family. I was good in school because I have the... Mm intellect to do well um and i think i was lucky that the school i went to really kept me reined in um okay. and pushed me academically when i did well mm. but they also didn't give me any spare time to do my own thing so it was constant achievement but i was one of those people who did my homework on the train in the morning going to school or really yep. hurried during my um, lunch break for the next period because I just hadn't planned properly. So early school to GCSEs, it was fine. Released mm. sixth form where you have a free period yep. in the morning, you have a free period at the end of the day. Did I use that to study? Did I used to hang out with my mates, sleep in, do sport? Yes. But Freedom I had at sixth form wasn't good for me because I, yeah, used the time unwisely. <laughs> yeah, I think that I, hearing that that's resonates with me. I kind of like I did okay with GCSEs. Yeah, got to sixth form, went, flopped through it for two years. Got to university, flopped through that for three years, 
And I was like, oh, okay, where are we now? And I was like, I think there's that thing of like the structures that were not in place were really difficult. Of that thing of keep having to organize and coordinate yourself or myself. You see it in life, don't you? It's so hard to motivate yourself to do the things you have to do because they're boring. Yeah. I don't want to fill out that form. I would rather scroll through Instagram, go for a run, have a chat with my mate. Always. Phrase at the moment. It's, um, I like to work hard and I like to procrastinate harder. <laughs> oh, this is why I don't have a proper job as a. I think um, it was due to one amazing tutor I had at university mm. who grew mm. the pretty good degree. Um, he recognised, I think, what I didn't, and he let me have mm. in late. Um, he coached me on all the gaps I had before my exams, and I got a, a good 2-1. It meant that I went as a postgraduate to Cambridge. Right, and none of that would have happened without without him. So, I think to be successful with somebody with ADHD, you need awesome support, either from mm. your parents, your siblings. Um, it, it only needs to be one teacher in school really who has your back, um, and then yeah. a partner who gets that all the drama is worth it because you're super fun, super spontaneous, super passionate super exciting but they're probably going to have to always do the grocery shop online <laughs> book the holidays and uh, yeah put lunch money on the kids accounts all that kind of stuff yeah yeah that thing of like here for the fun not so much here for the drudgery <laughs> sorry it's like a very patient partner mm. yeah i think there's that because we communicate in a different way I think there's that thing of the conversation goes in fits and starts and goes in a different way to what you would have with a neurotypical. And someone described it um, the other day as like neurotypicals as like a tennis match where you go A, B, A, B, A, B. Whereas uh, neurodivergent people, so ADHD is autistics, um, we take the ball when we're ready to take it as opposed to in the being hit to us and us having to immediately respond and saying, actually, our processing will get there eventually and we'll have the conversation at the pace that we want. And it's fine for you to come and take the ball, me to come and take the ball because we understand that because that's how we work as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that actually fits with um, mm. ADHD girls in school in that there are, mm. so I was always told I was really quiet in class. All my reports said, she's great, but she needs to speak more in class. Um, and I hear mm. all the time about girls with ADHD. They are mm. processing the question they've been asked um, and just can't come up with a question before somebody else has put their hands up or, um, or they've heard the question and they've forgotten their answer to it by the time their turn comes around um, or they're not completely sure they heard the question right because they had switched off for a second um, and that leads to these quiet ADHD girls in schools, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's... One of those things of um, classic ADHD in girls and classic ADHD in boys is kind of marked as very different, but I'm, I'm aware as well with this podcast, I'm trying to say, okay, you can also have boys who present in the girl way and girls who present in the boy way as well, of saying like, look, it's it's not that just the, here's the gender split, it's that kind of spectrum, as it were. Um, yeah, completely agree. Just like there's an autism spectrum, yet autistics is don't speak at all um, and you get autistic people who are incredibly creative and interactive. Um, what was the journey for you um, to kind of go from, oh, I might have ADHD to here's my diagnosis? So, um, funnily enough, the first person to suggest to me I, had, I might have ADHD was my hairdresser. And this was probably about oh. three years ago. I've known him for about 20 years. Um, and he's like, have you considered you've got ADHD? And I'm like, I'm like, no. And that was the end of the mm. conversation. I was like, well, why on earth would you say that? Mm. So when it um, was raised again was when my second daughter, mm. what she's so like me in her uh, um, emotional responses to things, 
mm. real acute sense of rejection. So she took um, criticism or what well, she's still was criticism really, really hard. Um, mm. So why I started looking at what might be going on with her is because I thought it might be anxiety about going to a new school. Yeah. Um, so I looked at, you know, as you Google, anxiety in um, 11-year-old girls. And that mm. just led me to what ADHD in girls can look like. And then it was absolutely her. And then, and then I realized because I'm so like her and she's so like me, I was like, if she mm. ADHD traits, oh my gosh, so do I. Is that, is that what's going on here? Oh, yeah, so thank you mm. to my kids, you know, to make it crazy. <laughs> um, but then I looked at getting her diagnosed and thought about mm. why I would do that. How is ADHD impacting her right now, if it is ADHD? Mm. Um, and what would be the course to make that happen? I... Um, have a friend who's a psychologist. Mm. She recommended something mm -hmm. as an ADHD um, autistic diagnosis specialist, mm -hmm. and yep. he was able to see me quite quickly before Christmas. And he said, "Fill out the online forms." And I had done every single online assessment there was by then, so like, all of the boxes. Um, and he said, "You know, come in. We'll have some interviews and see where we are." By the end of the first two hours, mm. he was just referring to me as neurodivergent. And I was like, oh, so I am then? And he's like, okay. <laughs> like yes. <laughs> yes, you are. Oh, okay. But, um, <laughs> I didn't need a medical assessment mm -hmm. or any kind of special diagnosis because I'm self-employed. I'm mm -hmm. happy. Um, there were no areas in my life that that was necessary. So I didn't need to see that first. Mm -hmm. um, what I wanted from it was an understanding for my children and to make sense of my life up till then mm -hmm. going forward. Because I always felt like something was different about me. Not necessarily bad, just different. Yeah. I knew that I was too much for some people. I knew that I found certain things difficult. I knew I got very easily overwhelmed. Um, I'm like an introvert extrovert and my friends really find that really hard I, I recognise that in myself before the ADHD diagnosis mm. I really need my own time um, whereas a lot of my yeah. friends will be like it surprises me about you um, the fact I don't see a massive group like, oh that really surprises me about you like no I love being social I love people I keep mm. energy but then I absolutely have to just decompress and take myself off um, yeah. Post diagnosis, how did that kind of? Because for me, I went to quite a dark place for a little while ago. And, oh my God, I don't understand what I'm going to do with my life. Like where this is, what this is, how I've lived my life like this. Where, where do you kind of go after the diagnosis? So I had said to my kids and also my husband, mm. I was going for this um, interview with a psychotherapist. Um, we're going to find out whether, you know, mummy's brain works slightly differently to other people's. Um, how exciting. So I went out with a very positive um, attitude. Mm. And I, I came back, walked in the house and went, yeah, ADHD. So that was a celebration. Like, there's an answer. Um, now let's make sense of this. Um, mm. All very excited to start with. And then, like you said, it was the... Uh, Okay, what do I do with it? Mm. Was it all my yeah. fault that friendships didn't work out? Was it all my fault that I didn't do as well in my education? Mm. Is it all my fault that I'm not making the most of my Cambridge University education? What did it mean going forward? And what did it mean for everything that happened in the past? And what does it mean for mm. children, three of whom which I, expect, I suspect have ADHD, definitely display ADHD. So then mm. there was, I'd say, two or three months of where do I find myself in this? Yeah. Um, now, I feel great about it. I think 
I was public about it. I shared my diagnosis um, with my followers on my Instagram and my Facebook. Some people, um, including you, were very supportive and you become part of a community of people who, um, particularly late diagnosis people, who felt like they were simply understood um, and understand themselves, which is also really important. Um, but also, I found that some people didn't really speak to me again. That's interesting. Oh. So, yeah. Um, yeah, either stop responding to stuff on social media significantly, mm. or you haven't seen them for lunch, or haven't seen them to hang out. Um, whether it's threatening, or whether they feel like mm. it's some kind of personality disorder i i don't know maybe mm -hmm. they like me and that's okay <laughs> i understand i'm okay with that yeah um i i i will i will call out the rsd there as well the rejection sensitivity of going oh it, it must be something that i've done <laughs> yeah so it's definitely been a journey of discovery mm. and ups and downs mm. but right now i feel great about it because mm. I have such an understanding of what my children are going through uh, when they're struggling. And I mm. offer things to them that I didn't have offered to me. I mean, I've said to my mm. children the other day, oh, I feel so happy for you that we know what's going on. Mm. No one said to me, you know, is your ADHD brain working now? Um, yeah. So let's hear what it's doing, but it's not actually what's happening. Right, so you're not actually angry with daddy right now because he can't find your t shirt. Mm. You're wound up and worried what will happen if you don't turn up mm. to school tomorrow with your t shirt, okay? And because mm. it's late and there's a deadline, you're getting wound up about it. I try not to use the word stress and anxious because I don't mm. want my kids to believe that stress and anxious. Yeah. I just say to my husband, um, you're getting um, wound up by her being wound up, and it's her ADHD brain that's doing it, so you just need to back off a little bit, let her be wound up, yeah. and then it will pass. Because that's what I needed. This is what it's I can give them what I needed as a kid. Even though my parents were understanding, they couldn't say to me, you know, this is... This is your brain just not coping with the situation right now. I'll have a minute um, and I'll help you when you calm down a bit. Or something like that. I just didn't know what to do. Mm. If after you've got your diagnosis, it's kind of impacting your parenting. Um, how else has it impacted your parenting? How has it impacted your relationship with um, well, child number three, but also the other three that you think might have ADHD as well? So um, the eldest daughter, second child, she has a different version to me. She has, I, I believe, and the school is supporting us in this, she has um, ADD. So uh -huh. um, she doesn't have a hyperactivity. She just has the lack of focus and the need to fiddle and talk all of the time. Um, her memory also isn't great. Um, uh -huh. So... Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk to you about the schools, but there was a behavioural survey sent home that the kids marked the boxes that were inappropriate, unacceptable behaviours. One, okay. one was yawning. Okay, another one was fiddling with things. Um, uh, another one was like daydreaming. Mm. So, to me, all of those are neurodivergent behaviours. And not yeah. behaviors, right? So then, yeah, I had the conversation with them about that. Mm. And I said, I don't think these behaviors should be on here, mm. they are, um, they are ADHD neurodivergent behaviors, and they're not kids being naughty, they're kids that have extra needs or extra understanding. And the school completely agreed and said that they should have checked the survey more carefully before they sent it out. So that was a win. So I feel a, yeah. a bit of an advocate for neurodivergent kids. I could then go to the school and say, my my daughter is displaying traits of ADD. Um, mm. Start the um, assessment process. 
because she is PTSD years, so it's important for her to get help if she needs it. So one of the adjustments, the reasonable adjustments they've made for her is for her to have breaks during tests. So she can leave the room, refocus, come back and carry on. So otherwise she'd be sat there, end of the focus that she has and kind of professionally as well. I can see when they go, oh, you're dissociating it right now. You're like, you, you, you've gone, you're not there. Yeah. We should probably have a break. But if you can't identify it in others, you go, actually, like, yeah, totally go. Like, just have that kind of capacity, reset and then get back into it. Yeah. Is there anything negative from your ADHD diagnosis? So I think that the negative mm. thing is... Um, at what people perceive you as, as a person mm. with ADHD, um, mm. who understand what it is, and who aren't interested, yeah. because they're not. Mm. Right? It's not relevant to them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it is, because mm. there's so many of us in Francis are going to somebody, or come into contact with somebody in a shop, or whatever mm. it is. Um, it's relevant to everybody to understand each other. Um, so I think most negative thing would be um, some friends' mm. reactions um, through the absence of discussion or acknowledging. Mm. Yeah. I think that I had understood because I am really self-aware. Mm. I've always analysed myself. That's why I'm. Mm. I think that the diagnosis just made me realise. Um, I needed more of what I was doing. I yep. kind of worked out what I needed. So the fact that I'm self-employed, the fact that my business revolves around accusing and exciting other people to look after themselves and their health and their fitness makes sense. The fact that I work in terms again makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, uh, another positive, sorry to keep it positive, <laughs> but another positive. Mm, no, no sense that you know I used to think oh I had a private I mean I felt like I really underperforming but no now it's just it's mm. reaffirmed for me that I'm doing what I should be doing and helping mm. people I am um creating I'm doing what I love doing in my own time so I love exercise whether it was always a hit ADHD treatment yeah. I found for myself um, I can now share that with more and more people. So I think it made me recognise that what I'm doing right now is absolutely right. I don't need mm. to prove myself in somebody else's version of what success is. I really don't, because it never worked for me either. What I'm hearing is that you, the diagnosis is almost like permission. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I'd say absolutely it has. Give me permission to carry on enjoying what I'm doing because yeah. it works for me. I always felt that I should be doing more, more with my education, more with my experience. Mm. I'm not a school teacher anymore. Still back there a little bit, but I always felt like I would go back to teaching when my kids were older. But maybe I won't mm. now. Maybe a, a yeah. running my own business and being able to choose my hours and be available for my family is more important than thinking I should go back to being a full-time teacher. So yeah, I think it is a permission thing. I think you've got it, Chris. Is there any advice that you would give to parents of neurodivergent kids? So I think if, chances are if your kids are neurodivergent, mm. they're your, you are, or your partner is, mm. or your parents were. So yeah. I think it's about being really aware of how you interact with each other. Um, I think, like I said to you about the incident with the final seizure of my daughter and my husband, mm. it's about recognising what's going on in that moment of mm. um, whatever it is, anger or frustration. Recognise whether, whether it's their ADHD or yours. Mm. Um, and that's explaining to them what's happening. Mm. Um, including yourself in what's happening um, and also apologising learning to apologise by saying you know you don't always have the right answers sometimes you get it wrong um, because there's so much emotion with people with ADHD 
Mm. Oh my god, went flying off the handle and suddenly, um, and then it's gone five minutes later, and it can leave the rest of the family reeling because yeah. it's harder for them to come down from that than it is the person who's experienced the outburst. So it does require a lot of understanding, learning to say sorry, and recognizing that it's not a bad thing. ADHD is not a bad thing to mm. have or be. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I, I really think it's all about support. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the kind of explaining what you do. I, I, I like all of it. I want to go into apologizing, but I, I, I've, I'm writing notes because my working memory is shot as well. But the explaining what you think the situation is, explaining how you're feeling, that feels really powerful. Of saying, like, I think this is the situation that's going on. I think you're feeling this, and I think this is the cause, and things like that. And yeah, with the t shirt example as well, that's, yeah, what's what? What are your reflections on that? Is that useful? I think so. Yeah. I mean, obviously, mm. I'm just experimenting with it over the mm. like, six months, really. It diffuses situations quicker mm. um, before, and that just thought it'd be messed up first. Um, so there's always the saying that you take your feelings out on the people closest to you because you know it's, it's unconditional love. Yeah. So therefore, you can take your feelings out on, on the people closest to you. I think mm. what it does is recognise that you can, but it does hurt people. It hurts me when you take mm. it. Hurts me when you slam the door. And about something horrible to me. And it's about sharing your feelings, really. Yeah. really. It's about sharing your feelings, being open enough with your kids. Um, but, you know, they're amazing kids. They are in touch with how they feel. They are compassionate listeners. They stand up for their friends. Um, I think all of the talking about how you're feeling and what to do with those feelings mm. is just for kids. And if they see us doing it, then they know that how to do it as parents. It's almost that kind of modelling of saying, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling blah, 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 blah. I don't have to respond to those feelings potentially, or here's the options that I have and things like that. Yeah. And also, I can mm. now pre-empt things. I'll say, I've got a podcast with Chris at one o'clock. Whole yep. morning, I'm going to be preparing for the podcast, whether it's time my exercise or my lunch yep. or my shower around that. Mm. Like, I'm not going to be able to do with anything else that morning. So, uh, yep. make sure you're at school, make sure you don't call, I'll uh, pick you up if you're not feeling very well. Literally, that's what happened this morning. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's preempting being aware of how you're feeling, generally. Mm. <laughs> um, oh. There's that thing as well about learning to say sorry. How, well, are there any tips on how to do that as an adult in a position of authority to your kids? I think it was modeled to me. My dad did it to me one occasion, and it was significant, mm. had such an impact on me that um, obviously that stuck with me, and I, I knew it was important. So, mm. I mean, was, I had four children within seven and a half years. You can imagine that that was quite uh, a period of overwhelm. So mm. um, I often had, I think, perhaps unnecessarily high expectations of the older ones. Because yeah. I needed them to take some control of something, even though I was cooking dinner. Like, oh, please watch the baby. Mm -hmm. Just make sure they don't crawl under something. Um, so, and then recognising afterwards, saying, sorry, that wasn't fair of me to expect you to take yeah. the baby because that's my job shouldn't have been caught with you because they pulled the blob mm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really like that, that thing of like, it's not bad or wrong. It's just that thing of this wasn't the situation that I intended. Yeah. And I, yeah. yeah. And I, I reacted like that because the rice was mm. over and the cat had mm. it and the baby was crying and I was just so overwhelmed. I'm sorry. I just it's not the kid's fault. It's rarely the kid's fault. Yeah. I just think it's. Yeah, I think there's that thing. There's something that I use with my ADHD, which is it explains things. 
It explains why I'm messy. It explains why I'm disorganized. It explains why I'm emotional. Blah, 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 blah. doesn't excuse the impact that it has on others, though. Right. And it's that thing of saying, this, this is the reasons why, but also I'm still sorry about it and I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if you live with somebody, that's a, mm. it's like, I know me being messy is really difficult for you. I'm sorry. Um, what can we do to make it better? Right? Yeah. And you can think about what you're capable of. I mean, I'm so messy as mm. well. Thankfully, my husband isn't a clean freak. We kind of get to the same point where we're like, okay, mm. we need to do something. But it's something as simple as laundry. Like, so I'll put everybody else's laundry in piles. Mine will just be yeah. staying on the floor now. Mine will just go in a washing basket. <laughs> Not on the floor. <laughs> Doom piles. Doom piles. <laughs> And how do you deal with like, well, let's keep this safe as well. Like, with your kids with the ADHD traits, are there any that need accommodations in the home? And how do you kind of deal with them? I think of Doom Pals as a kid, I often had run into with my parents around that thing of just keep your room tidy. Looking back, very difficult. So, well, perfect example this week. I am, um, mm. they took to IKEA um, to help my ADD daughter organise her room. I can't see the floor, I can't get to the window, to open the window. Um, mm -hmm. And even somebody who's quite messy, that is another level of messy. And there's no yep. point going on at her because I know she can't help it. So, I mm. understand that there's this kind of impermanence thing that we have. If you can't see it, it doesn't exist. Therefore, no. if you put your clothes away, you'll forget what you've got to watch. Um, yes. So I, I can relate to her so completely. Um, so I thought, how on earth can I help her? Um, and I've completely redesigned her bedroom. And instead of having drawers, mm. we're going to have crates that you can throw your underwear in and T-shirts. She doesn't care if they're ironed or not, right? She just needs to have a no. system that's not going to feel yeah. like a task, like a chore. So that's been an example of how um, I've like, used my experience having ADHD yeah. to help her organise. Um, I don't have typically ADHD mm. children, they're hyperactive. Mm. The daughter that um, instigated the whole process, she mm. has hyperactivity in the form of she has to be doing all the time, just yeah. moving forward. Um, and from what I understand my research, that that kind of boredom can be physically painful. You need to be doing all the time. Uh, mm. So um, mm. helping her manage that is hard. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like I need to be entertaining. And sometimes by the time to come home, um, I just need a little bit of quiet time before I go out and be entertaining in the evening. That's my job. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard. But I don't have the stereotypical level of energy mm. that are hard to manage. Mm. I don't need to be like, well, go and bounce on the trampoline for 10 minutes, get out of your system. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to yeah. be misbehaviour at school. Mm. Um, their their um, hyperactivity seems to be more internalised and the yeah. sensitivity, the, the mm. being trying to do the wrong thing. There's a lot more emotional than it is physical, I think, in our house. Mm. Which is yeah. It isn't easy when we're all like it. Yeah. Yeah. You would think that ADHDs would be more understanding of other ADHDs. Like, no, no, we're all sparking off of each other. <laughs> we're all having reactions at this event. Each other's reactions as well. It's never a dull moment. And I honestly think that's why um, I chose to have four children because mm. you seem like, well, this is easy. Um, I wanted more drama and I wanted more going on. I wanted action. I wanted stuff happening around them. It is wonderful to have things happen. Wonderful. Never a dull moment because I think What are your thoughts on kind of special, gifted, twice exceptional? Have you heard of those terms and do you have any feelings about that? Twice exceptional, actually. Oh. So twice exceptional, from what I understand, is where you have a neurodivergent um, trait. And you have an IQ over 140. Okay. 
So that's for me, I personally have a reaction to that of saying like what are we saying about everyone else? And we're not saying that people with neurodivergent traits are once exceptional. <laughs> what we are. Yeah. Difficult. Uh, I think labels are bad. I mean, I, I labeled myself in public, right? I said, mm. yeah. and mm. um, it gives people an impression of you that's not you. It, it mm. just feeds into all of their um, biases and experiences of what they spend mm. meant to them. It's not about the individual. Um, so being from teaching and being a parent, I just don't think they're a good thing. Just describe someone it means they should achieve amazing they should be exceptional. Yeah. They should get the top in everything. They should be amazing at sports. They should do everything, right? If they fall short of what they feel their expectations are, they are always going to be miserable. They're going to feel like they've let everybody down, they've let themselves down. Um, absolutely feed into people's strength and children's strength. Good at something, let them go with it. Um, yeah. I think with kids with ADHD, it's constantly changing. Though um, mm. I, I'm saying myself, I didn't spend them long enough in anything to be exceptional. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I was above yeah. average in yeah. my sports, um, but I was never going to be yeah a gold medalist because I just don't mm. think I want to move on and find the next best thing. Um, and I'll say with my kids, they'll, they'll try everything and I'll absolutely let them sign up for every club they want to. Um, mm. But not well, they'll do it for them and then want to try something else. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's a real pressure, isn't there, to go, oh, we've, you've done it for this long. You're doing quite well. You're seeing a lot of progress. You're not, no, I'm not as good as I'm going to be. I'm not interested in this anymore. Like, let's let's move on to the next thing. The child's choice. It's about respecting them as a human. Mm. I'm not an Mm. Um, they just have to decide for themselves, right? Mm. If they're not um, a county swimmer or I don't know, they play netball for England, mm. how bad is their life going to be because of that? How much worse are they going to be? Yeah. Right? If they enjoy swimming and they enjoy playing netball, they're going to do that. Yeah, I'm not a good parent. <laughs> anyway, let them enjoy. I, I'd rather be average at lots of things than mm. one thing. I think this. What do you think about it? What do you think about the labels of gifted and exceptional? Yeah, I think this. I I worry about gifted and exceptional and special and things like that because of the pressure. And I think there is that kind of banding, which. Kind of goes you're acceptable to society you're not acceptable to society i don't i worry about those um because it's that thing of like i'm fairly intelligent but not that intelligent i'm this i'm not i'm that thing of going looking back at it and going actually uh, because i'm not this i potentially am just a naughty boy with adhd uh, i feel like we're banding people and saying these are the people that we care about these are the people that we write off and i worry about that and i worry that kids with labels like that as opposed to diagnostic labels don't get the support that they need right yeah i see what you're saying yeah yeah so you think diagnosis is important i think so but i think it's important for the right reasons of saying like if I need support, if I need special accommodations, if I need to understand myself, yeah, great. And go, okay, I've got I know autism has got this really heavy stigma stigma on it of saying like we don't want to call our kids autistic. And it's like, but if there's nothing wrong with autism, if it is just a component of a person and it helps them understand themselves, why would we take that away from them? Absolutely hundred percent. I know a young person who's was 15 and mm. started having therapy and found out a lot about herself. And I said, mm. I'm so happy for you to find out at your age what's going on. Because mm. Some people never find out and they just think that's all thought all the time. Uh, mm. Find out later and then it all makes sense that by then 
you know, was it anxiety? Was it depression? Um, no, if you know you've got ADHD or autism, you can understand why you respond to things. It doesn't make you a bad person. You don't want to go and hang out with people. It's just you're honouring your true self. And another part of being um, neurodivergent is I think you are, unless you've had lots of societal pressures on you, you are so authentically yourself. You tend to be what you're not. Um, because it's hard enough to just to keep, keep yourself in society within the framework. You can't help who you are. Um, and it's so yeah. important for kids to be allowed to be who they are, not shame for having interest yeah. they have or enthusiasm they have. Yeah. Let them be themselves. I think that's really important. Yeah. As, as an adult and an ex-child of ADHD, <laughs> as in ex-child, not ex-ADHD, you've got to have that for the rest of my life. I think there's, there's, there's this kind of thing of seeing like the next generation of people in their 20s with ADHD diagnosis and understanding and setting up their careers and the ways of working. God, I'm so envious. I'm so happy for you that you've got that so early on. But then there's that thing of grief of going... Like, I wish I'd understood myself earlier. How much easier would have life been? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think my career would have been different. I think giving mm. myself a break would have been different. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think there's, there's something about that. I, I read somewhere, and I can't remember where. If I can find it, I'll put it in the notes of saying that ADHD is a disorder primarily characterized by the feeling of shame yeah yeah i totally think so mm. you can't there's so many examples um so my my amazing in-laws they're amazing mm. they come and stay from amsterdam they come and stay like a week or so at a time okay. that can be overwhelming um, yeah because there's they are Full of energy, and it's always, it's always really, really busy. Um, I learned in the last six months to say, hmm. I'm just going to take myself outside for a quiet lunch, or I'm just going to clean a little bit. I take myself out of the situation where there's too much going on, without losing my cool with them and then feeling ashamed. Because there are lovely people, why am I finding them so difficult to be around? And it's not about yeah. them, it's about my brain being. In overload. Yeah. So, yeah. It's about taking what you need. Yeah, and, and not being, not being ashamed. Recognize. What have we learned? I don't know what we've learned. Have we learned anything? We've had a nice chat. Yeah. It's been lovely talking to you, Nick. <laughs> I mean, it is one person's experience of having a good thing. Let's remember that. Yeah. Um, I am just one person. Everybody's hmm. experience of having it is different. reflecting that kind of from my childhood as well of I heavily suspect that my parents are on the autistic spectrum so there's certain rules that have to be followed and can you just do the thing and because this is the way that things are done like, brain says no no thank you I can't do can't meet the expectations can't follow the rules and yeah that's yeah, that thing of feeling the shame and the guilt and then putting it on me as well of saying like yeah between yeah. autism and ADHD, the two of them don't mm. go together, mm. I, in my experience, because you are all the emotions, and they are yeah. none of the emotions. Um, and I know you ADHD is associated with trauma. The idea that you can't have ADHD if you haven't had trauma, quite well. I've really thought long and hard about that, and I'm not mm. of 
any trauma. So no, no, no. I, I think. Sorry. I was going to say with autism, that's mm. not influenced by trauma. I think. Mm. No. There are some overlaps, right? There's so much we don't know about it. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. The science of what's happening in our brains. Yeah, and I think there's that thing of I'm intentionally not looking at the science because there's the ADHD adults podcast, which I'm wearing the t-shirt of, where they talk about the science as well. And I think there's a really good episode about looking at trauma and is trauma a source of ADHD? And I think the short answer is no. It's a neurodevelopmental disorder. Our brain structures are different and they kind of settle out um, very early on. I think we're born with this. Yeah. Um, and we never grow out of this as well. We just learn to manage it, right? Yeah, or maybe we don't. People learn to manage it, Chris. Yes, this is this is why we're doing it. We're saying we're in our forties. We are running around trying to work out what we're doing, and yeah, unpick all of those things and say this is how we're actually going to live happy lives, going forward, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. People find this helpful. And that is the end of the first episode of This Is ADHD. Thank you again to Nicola for coming on and talking about her experience. I'm really looking forward to next time with Chris, who is a firefighter, and talking about his diagnosis at 49 as well. Um, really interesting episode as well. Um, in terms of this episode, I think it's important to call out the privilege that Nick has, and not everyone has that. Not everyone has the opportunity, um, but also about looking at the lessons of saying, this is ADHD for Nick. This is one person's version. And I'm really looking forward to kind of finding out what the next person's version of ADHD is as well. Um, I'm Chris Johnson, still not a podcaster, and I'll see you next time, hopefully. Bye. Mm -hmm.